that snare drum is amazing. Yeah, yeah. It it just dies. It's that gated snare drum. <laughs> yeah, we might have to talk about that because that's something I read all the time, and I'm still not totally sure what it means. Gated snare drum, yeah. definitely. It's like another one of these guitar parts that like I can't tell if there's a slight delay on the guitar or if he's just playing it. Right. There's there's a lot of guitar facts. Yeah. I don't think I re- like when I hear this song in my head. I don't think I notice like how driving the bass line is Me and how like kind of it, it skips yeah. a little bit. It's kind of cool. use of chromaticism by Sting. Love that. Love that. Love his fucking name, too. I know. He'll take all your money. <laughs> Great keyboard, keyboard strings awesome. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's quiet. I think it's the best part of the song. That, the guitar riff, too. Stuart Copeland's such a weird drummer, too. I know. I'm not crazy about that piano. It's so dramatic. <laughs> now I love it. <laughs> love those big electric diamonds on the guitar. Yeah. And also those quarter notes. <laughs> This movie, this song always makes me feel like I'm in a movie when I listen to it. Dude, duh, the replacements. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> it isn't that, isn't duh, it? Duh, dude, Ooh. the bar scene. She's that's, cleaning the bar That's up. right, yeah. Yeah, dude. Oh, she was like my hero, like my biggest crush when I was a kid. Everyone, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I, is she a, a, an actress that appears in movies? Or is she I don't know. literally just that person in the replacements? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Listen to This, a podcast in which we explore songs we like. We research what they mean, how they were recorded, why they were written, why we like them, and why you should listen to this. Today we're going to talk about Every Breath You Take by The Police. Released on May 20th, 1983, off the brilliant album Synchronicity, this was the group's only number one hit song and became a signature song for the band. Pretty weird, right? Because you think, I feel like Roxanne is arguably more famous of a song than this one. But yeah, this was their, their biggest hit. It was written by Sting, the British guy, not the wrestler. (laughs) When I was a kid, I straight up could not tell what the fuck was going on. I was like, who's Sting? Like, is he in the police or is he the Phantom of the Opera guy on WCW? Hey! Hey! Oh, okay! It's Sting! Sting. Okay! And it's it's Sting! And there's a wet spot for Eric Fish out the city because Sting is out here! He's got a weapon! Yes, he does! And I hope he uses it! (laughs) And I think I said that to somebody in there, like, what the hell are you talking about? I was like, I don't know. I'm in my own world. It was produced by the band along with Hugh Padgham. Every Breath You Take won two Grammys that year, Mm. and it's estimated that the song accounts for a third of Sting's music publishing income. Shout out to Juice World for another third. Wow. That's hilarious. Sting wrote the song in the aftermath of his separation from his wife, Frances Tomalty. Mm. So to escape the public eye, Sting does what one does naturally and went to the Caribbean and started writing this song at Ian Fleming's writing desk. That's the guy who wrote James Bond. Great books. Um, so he wrote it. He wrote this song 
at Ian Fleming's desk on an estate. You know what that estate was called? The Golden Eye Estate. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, yeah. Did, I did know that. <laughs> Stinger called, quote, I woke up in the middle of the night with that line in my head, sat down at the piano, and had written it in half an hour. The tune itself is generic, an aggregate of hundreds of others, but the words are interesting. It sounds like a comforting love song. I didn't realize at the time how sinister it is. I think I was thinking of Big Brother, surveillance, and control. Right. Kind of a cool thing to to talk about, like a lot to unpack there. Like, I don't think the song is super generic. No, it's Do you? not. He, no. Sa- he said that it is, but it seems pretty weird for, even like musically, it seems it's kind of darker. Much darker. But it has that release part that's like, kind of like more uplifting right it just feels like it's emotionally not as certain as like today's pop music which is like this is a song about being rich right or like this is a song about being in love and being yeah sad about like, i can't tell like what the motive of the song is whether the motive is like good or bad in the sense of like i'll be watching you is that like yeah. a good thing or is it kind of weird well it's, it's funny like, right you know, because when like, you're ambiguous when you hear it you're like it sounds like a love song right. because we think all the best songs are love songs <laughs> right We've been conditioned as such. Right. But when you peel back the lyrics, you're like, this song's fucking creepy. But right. then it, from another way, you're like, well, maybe it's kind of sweet. And then you're like, oh, it's creepy again. It's interesting that he was thinking about Big Brother because it's like the song Private Eyes. What is with these guys that like are writing these songs that are like about love, but like actually about surveillance, but actually I, well, I about think, love? Yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to like people that have like insurmountable amounts of money just probably have <laughs> it, like paranoia issues. Oh, that's a good point. And like, what is, isn't like if somebody is watching literally everything you do to make sure you don't slip up, that's real love, right? I guess so. I think they argue that in the Patriot Act. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Uh, The demo for Every Breath You Take was recorded in North London's Utopia Studios, but they later re-recorded the final version at George Martin's Air Studios. Dude, this guy's in all the cool places. I know. He's pretty much everywhere. By this point, Sting and the police were famous as fuck. And like what they did was so unique at the time and for all time. There's not really been a really another group like them, which I think is what what the cool the coolest thing about Sting and the police is that they just they never really had an imitator. No, they haven't. Like there's so many bands that sound like Led Zeppelin, so many bands that sound like the Beatles. Right. Um and, like, to some degree, imitators do detract from, like, an original version. Right. It's like nobody ever came along and wrote a song ever like The Police. Right. You're, no, you're right. Which is kind of cool. And I don't know what, what that comes from. I think, like, British, um, at, like, influences at the time, like, singing The Police were into that early ska thing. But obviously, like, into some weird other types of music and just, right. like, generic pop stuff, too. Right. Yeah, it's huh. like, because you think about a song like Roxanne. It's not like another song that sounds like that. It's like every breath you take, even though Sting thinks it sounds like a lot of songs, I don't really think. Yeah, it's like for him to think it's generic is so strange to me. It's yeah. definitely not generic. It's probably the way like a British guy says generic, like a little taking the piss. Yeah, but it's like inside no, he's right, like, I'm right. a genius. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And I was one of the hottest us. wrestlers in WCW Nitro. What if it really was him? <laughs> like he was like Sting musician and Sting the that's, wrestler. That's why he wears the. Phantom of the Opera makeup. Because yeah, he's actually Sting. Yeah. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so Sting and the legendary police drummer, Stuart Copeland, hated each other during the recording really? of the song. Yeah. There were apparently many verbal and physical fights what? in the studio. 
during the recording of this. Come here, I'm gonna kick your ass. Can you imagine like two like grown yeah, like, can't. successful men like literally like beating each other up over like verse oh, chords? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like music just does not seem that serious to me ever. Was there anything else about about it? Like, what did they fight about? I don't know. Really I think, sad? like, at this point, they're all, like, independent millionaires, right? Like, yeah. And I think that it's just tough being in a band. Yeah. Especially when, you know, the band is called The Police, but everyone calls it Sting and the Police. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of a good South Park thing, but I can't remember. <laughs> show man there must have been a hundred thousand people out there yeah all of them chanting timmy timmy what's the matter skylar the name of the band is timmy and the lords of the underworld not just timmy and the lords of the underworld it's always about you isn't it i'm sick of it timmy gets all the applause timmy gets all the chicks well you know what forget you man what made our band famous. Shut up, Maltzy! You can stay and deal with Mr. Egomaniac here, but I'm moving on. I don't need Timmy. I'm going solo. Uh, to give the song more liveliness, uh, Hugh Padgham, the producer, asked Stuart Copeland to record his drum part in the studio's dining room cool. in order to achieve some, quote, special sound effects. The room, however, was so hot that Copeland's drumsticks had to be taped to his hands to avoid <laughs> slippage. <laughs> Have you ever heard of anything like that? This is some dumb shit. Dude, I've got I've so never like, heard of that. Do you ever read this? Like, it was like a legendary book in like the audio circles. Did you ever read The Adventures of Mixer Man? No, no. Oh, dude, you got to check it out. I forgot the cat's name who like wrote it, but it was written as like a series of internet blog posts, mm. like around the time when blogs were just getting hot. Right. So, and it was written from the perspective of this dude, Mixer Man, who was hired to engineer a a big time major label session and he like code names everything. So we don't know who anyone is, but it's based on true stories. Yeah. It's based on a real true story. Oh, a wow. lot, a lot of people think it was about the band, the Ataris. Okay. That's like, but basically it like has like all these characters, like the band is fuck. Like, they don't make any music. They just record for like three months and they don't do anything. They just keep fucking up. They keep getting the wrong mics. The producer, they, the, He's called Willie Show, and all he does is smoke blunts oh, and wow. like go out to sushi. No. <laughs> um, but anyway, in that in that in that book, that apparently they hire he hired a session drummer, and the drummer had to like tape his headphones to his head with duct tape <laughs> to avoid like getting falling off. But then they got like fused to his like because no. of how hot it was in the studio. And I was thinking about that with the Stuart Copeland <laughs> thing, dude. Imagine like having having fuck. <laughs> session sounds crazy like okay we're just stinging the police we're just gonna fucking fight each other you know what i mean like hopefully they've got scott hall or kevin right, Nash right, right. Oh my God. and then and then and then like after they they beat each other down they're like duct taping drumsticks to his hands so they don't slip out <laughs> you literally can't make that shit yeah up. Uh, they got too much money i think yeah, about, like what the fuck I yeah think, i guess that's what happens when you get too much money things just get crazy yeah that's why we should defund the police right <laughs> <laughs> okay for some more musical <laughs> aspects guitarist andy summers who's really like the unspoken hero of this track yeah. probably, and the police in general um he came up with the iconic guitar part uh after he got inspired by bella bartok which is kind of cool Oh, yeah, that's the... Um, the composer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. According to Summers, quote, This was a difficult one to get because Sting wrote a very good song, but there's no guitar on it. 
He had this Hammond organ thing that sounded like Billy Preston. It certainly didn't sound like the police with that big rolling synthesizer part that we both right, love. Right, right, right. Continue the quote. We spent about six weeks just recording the snare drum and the bass. What the fuck? <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, this is crazy. <laughs> it was a simple classic chord sequence, but we couldn't agree how to do it. I'd been making an album with Robert Fripp, and nice. I was kind of experimenting with playing Bartok violin duets, and I had worked up a new riff. When Sting said, quote, go, go and make it your own, I went and stuck that lick on it, and immediately we knew we had something special. Right. I think that's, like, really cool. It's like, we, sometimes people don't totally understand where inspiration comes from. Right. And that's a great example. Inspiration comes from your life as a musician, if you pay attention. Right. So, like, he was just, like, kind, like he brought something from one avenue of interest into another, and that's, like, what inspiration is. I think that guitar part is cool. Yeah, and it's a series of, like, you know, you know, like when you were learning and playing guitar, it was an add nine chord. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was it's cool because it's that thing where it's like you spread your fingers across and go dun dun dun. Yeah, you know yeah. That chord? It's just it's just that just played at different root notes. That's all it is. It's it's really cool. It's really well executed because um, and I always love to to notice this. I've heard a million people cover that song and it never sounds good. Right. And it's like, that means that this dude has something special about the way that he plays it. I, I don't really know what it is. It's just like a feel thing, probably. Feel. It's also like Tone. the effects on that guitar. Yeah, like, really, really cool. There's definitely like there's definitely some delay, like you call. There's definitely chorusing. It's also like a stacked part. It's yeah, it sounds stacked. like there's like a hundred guitars yeah, going on. It's just like the, the whole, whole NWO Wolfpack right, was right. playing guitar in that song. <laughs> this is going to be a lot of WCW fans right. for this podcast. <laughs> Man, well, I, the last thing I want to talk to you about is how do you get a snare drum to clearly sound – it's clearly being hit really fucking loudly. I mean, the dude had drumsticks taped to his hands. <laughs> but, like, how do you get it to just be dead right after the attack? It feels like there's no air on it, which is cool. That's what they're going for. Right. Like, how would you do that? Though? Yeah, like one of the, like, biggest known, you know, drum effects of the 80s was the gated snare drum. And what what that really means is, you know, you have a snare drum and – and everyone knows what a snare drum is. And in this instance of this song, when you hear that snare drum, there's that huge reverb tail that just seems like it just dies all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And so the way a gate works, when you put a gate on something, it's just like a gate in the real life. A gate's open and they close, right? If If the signal passes the threshold, the gate opens. If it's underneath the threshold, the gate doesn't open, meaning nothing gets through. That's pretty cool. So what happens is when um, the snare drum hits... And it goes to the reverb, and the reverb goes. And what happens is then the gate opens. And on gates, you can tell it how fast to close. It'll just close. And so they just figured out what a good time for this song was for the reverb to literally be open, and then it just immediately just stops. The gate just shuts it off. That's awesome. And that's why it feels like the reverb just turns off. It's open, and then immediately just disappears. Yeah, because it sounds like it has. It sounds like there's more to that sound. Oh, you but, but like it, yeah. you just, it just disappears. Yeah, usually the reverb is much longer than yeah. what the gate is because you get that huge like sound and it just cuts off oh dude so much goes into making a record it's crazy like well, yeah they spent six months doing <laughs> snare drum and bass like dude literally ben, <laughs> snare and bass yeah exactly i mean or six weeks sorry six, six, six weeks yes <laughs> it's like that's insane like now it's like bass might take maybe 10 minutes yeah i was gonna say like i has anybody spent six weeks making a record ever right they, they maybe they spend six weeks posting about a record right right le- leaking snippets right, imagine, yeah, yeah. imagine if um the police had instagram 
Oh my god! Back then, it would have been really funny. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it would be like uh, I'd be. You would get like the studio, like you know, people are in the studio taking photos. Mm-hmm. It'd probably be like you know a picture of like Copeland with like the fucking headphones glued to his head, you know, because they fucking fused. Uh, Thanks so much, y'all, for listening to this podcast. Please spread the word about this podcast in real life to your friends, your people, your parents. Everybody likes it. So, you know, look cool by showing people how much smarter you are. And with the quality of things that you listen to. That was the sentence. We're on Instagram, Patreon. We also have a playlist on Spotify with all the songs and episodes from season one and season two. Thanks for listening to this. <laughs>